This is part seven of Ephesians 5, 25 to 31, and we tackle, I think, one of the most important issues really in all of life and all of theology. Namely, is Jesus selfish in dying for the sake of his own joy? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why, Why is he giving himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. That's the section in this paragraph that we're going to focus on. He wants a beautiful bride, not an ugly bride. He doesn't want her to have any wrinkles. He doesn't want her to have any spots or any such thing. He wants her to be holy and without blemish, sanctified, cleansed, washed. He wants a splendid, beautiful bride. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his, uh, loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. In other words, he is is nourishing and cherishing the church because the church is himself, and he wants to be nourished. He wants to be cherished. He wants his own body to be a nourished body, a cherished body. So do you see the similarity between this and this? Both of them are raising the question, Paul, in describing the love of Jesus for his people in this way, you are undermining the very meaning of love as a selfless act of sacrifice, and you're turning it into self-serving. Paul, aren't you? That's the question. So, Father, this is huge. This is so big. It's all over the Bible big. It's not just here. You are a God who is bent on glorifying yourself, exalting yourself, having your people rejoice in you delight in you, make you the center, treasure you above all things. That's the kind of God you are. That's the way Jesus is. Have we lost a handle on love when we say that? God help us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's dig in and think. He wants a splendid bride. What is this splendor? This splendor is unpacked with the word sanctify, cleanse, wash, no spot, no wrinkle, nothing like that at all, holy without blemish. Sanctify, which is the verb form of holy, and holy, you might say, are the sandwich. Blemishless holiness is the essence of the meaning of splendor. So I would I would define splendor as um, 
the beauty of holiness. So Christ died, he died so that he would be able to present to himself in the holy marriage supper of the Lamb a a beautifully holy bride. Now the question is, what is holiness? What, what is the root reality of no spots, no wrinkles, no such thing, holy, sanctified, cleansed, washed? What's the root reality behind all of those? And wouldn't you agree that the root reality is treasuring? See if I can write here. Treasuring Christ above all. Wouldn't you agree? I would I could make a big Bible-wide argument for that, but I'm just gonna bank on you agreeing that the root meaning that is the essence of the reality of being beautifully holy is that your heart is the kind of heart that prefers Christ, treasures Christ, delights in Christ, embraces Christ, trusts Christ, holds fast to Christ above all other people, all other beings, all other things, all other pleasures. That's the root of holiness. If we're on the right track, then here's what we see. So that he might present to himself so he wants the joy of a bride or a, a people or let's just say the church, since that's what's used here. He wants the joy of a church, a church's joy in him. He, he has died in order to present to himself and thus get pleasure and joy as a husband marrying a beautiful woman, the joy of a, a church whose joy is supremely in him. So yes, this is self-exalting. This is Christ-exalting. Christ is Christ-exalting. There is no escaping it. God is God-exalting. That's who they are because they are the treasure we need. They are the treasure we want. They are the, pre the treasure who will satisfy us. To exalt themselves is to give us the joy. So. I'm arguing that this amazing statement here is the best of all possible worlds. We are made beautiful. We are made holy. We are made to see in Christ and feel in Christ our greatest treasure. And in doing that, he finds joy in our joy in him. This is both Christ-exalting and human-satisfying. It is the best of all possible worlds. Let's go see if we see it down here as well. Here we have Christ nourishing 
and cherishing the church because we are members of his body. Now, here's my question. What is this nourishing? What is this cherishing? What is he after? When Christ does that to the church, what's he doing? He's doing this, isn't he? If, it, if the church is nourished, if the church is cherished, it is made holy, made beautiful. And so this nourishing and cherishing of his own body, the church, is the creation of the beauty of holiness. It's no different than what's going on here. He wants a splendid wife, and he wants a nourished body. And if you ask, what's the splendor? The answer is holiness. If you ask, what's the nourishment? What's the goal of the nourishing? It's holiness. If you ask what holiness is at its root, it is the beauty of a heart that treasures Christ above all things. So we wind up in the very same position. He nourishes and cherishes the church. The church, he does this to the church, this nourishing and cherishing. He does it to the church for his own joy in her joy in him. His joy. It's his body that's getting the pleasure, right? It's his body that's getting the pleasure of being made beautifully holy. So her joy is in him because her holiness is the treasuring of Christ, the enjoying of Christ above all. So we have seen it twice now. It's no accident. Christ is a self-exalting Christ, but he exalts himself in the joy of his people in him. And thus, two glorious things are accomplished at once, namely, the infinitely beautiful, infinitely valuable Son of God is shown to be who he really is, supremely valuable, supremely great, and we are made beautifully able to delight in him as we ought, and thus we get the fullness of joy and in that fullness of joy, his perfections, his greatness are reflected. Let's see this confirmed in a few other texts. Ephesians 1, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Christ died for this. He predestined us to be his children. He wants a family for himself, and so he adopts us, he cleanses us and purifies us through Jesus Christ, he forgives us according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. This is God exalting, right? He wants praise. He wants praise for the glory of his grace, and what does the grace do? It makes us the very children of God. <laughs> what a salvation. So he's exalted. 
and we're folded into the family with infinite eternal joy. Here it is again in 2 Corinthians 5, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Christ died for all, therefore all have died. This is, this is the church. All have died, and he died for all. Why? So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, exalting themselves, making themselves supreme and central, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. This living for him means living for his glory instead of your own glory, and therefore we have it again. He died to have a Christ-exalting people. He gets the exaltation when we live for him. He died so that we would live to make much of him. This is a self-exalting work of Christ on the cross, and he gets the glory, and we get complete, eternal, deep, unshakable satisfaction. Here's one more text. Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. What do we see when we look to Jesus now as we try to run this race? The founder and perfecter of our faith who did this. For the joy set before him, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Christ died for joy. What joy? This joy. He died to present the church to himself in splendor. He nourishes and cherishes the church because his body is the church and he wants to have his own body nourished, cherished, made beautiful, made holy. This is the joy. The joy of this marriage is what he died for. So I'm going to close like this. Is it selfish for Jesus to be motivated in this way? And we're going to talk about husbands and wives next time. Is it selfish for Jesus to be motivated in this way? And I would make this statement. I don't have any room to write it down. I'll just say it. It is not selfish to be willing to die for another so that you might find pleasure in the eternal pleasure of the other. Kind of complicated. Let me say it again. It is not selfish to be willing to die so that you might find pleasure in the eternal pleasure of another person. And in Jesus, that pleasure is in himself. So I'll say that one more time. It is not selfish to be willing to die so that you might find pleasure, so that Christ might find pleasure in the eternal pleasure of the church in Christ. <laughs>